Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. How y'all feeling? You know, you know, speaking of impactful moments, I think we all have moments in our lives that change us. For me, it was encountering Pastor Marco and Lindsay. It changed my life forever. But everyone has an impactful moment in their life, something that takes place that can either propel you forward or hold you back. Like, like the little kid who says, I want to be a police officer simply because a cop came to his school. Or the little girl who goes to her first ballet and decides, I'm going to be a dancer. Because she's like, this is my thing. Or what about the person who starts entry level and says, I want to be the CEO of this company because I can make a difference here. Truth be told, none of us begin with low expectations. Like if you have asked a kid, if I asked my kid, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said, I just want to sit on your couch. Well, what do you want to be? Nothing. Well, what are you, where are you going to be in 10 years? Sleeping right here. I beg you, a little crumb snatcher, go get a job. I don't care if you're eight months old, go get a job. Because you know, it's built into us to want more, to desire more, to go after more. It's who we are. Something programmed deep in us says, there's more to get out here. There's more for you. And the question always remains whether or not you will lay hold of what God has for you or keep holding on to what's in the past. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, the, the scripture I want to use is a letter to the Philippians that Paul writes. And uh, I like this letter for this particular reason. It's a thankful letter. He's expressing his thanks to them for the help they've given him, but it's also a, a joyful letter where he says joy 16 times, more than any other scripture or any other, any other letter he's written. But his situation, before you even start to read the scripture, his situation speaks volumes because Paul's in prison. And he's writing about joy. How's that? All right, all right. That's better? I was like, where's that wind coming from? (laughs) Swinging at me in the spirit, you know? But uh, Paul is writing... He's speaking joy in this situation, almost to say your circumstance shouldn't determine your attitude. Almost to say it's, it's adversity that brings out the truth in a man or a woman. And no matter where you are, your inside should be speaking life. And he writes this, he starts off like this. Not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I haven't obtained it. It's almost like he's introing this part saying, there's more. There's something else. There's something greater for you. In fact, can you help me say that? There's more. Say it again. For your family, say it again. In your spirit, say it again. Now say it like you mean it. Keep saying it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tell your neighbor. Tell your other neighbor, it's more for you. 
Now, in the first name, you should be upset because they said that. They left you out. More for them, not for you. I'm not okay with that. But there is more. There's so much more that God has in you and God's called you to do. But before we can even speak to the future, you have to believe that it's in you. You have to believe that he equipped you to do something greater than you're doing now. Like you, You've made it so far, but there's so much more. It's not about be, just being saved or just having a good life or just having a nice church. God is saying, I built you and put something in you for you to do so much more. You know what I wouldn't want to do? Get to heaven and just hear, oh, well done, you made it. You didn't go to hell, that's good. You know what I, mean? I want to get to heaven and know that when, when God speaks to me, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you, you, could, you could get to heaven and say, well, I did this. And God's like, well, I had all this. I'd at least like to say, I did this. You did something. So we're going to press in knowing from right now there's more for us. There's something special coming for us, that the future has greater things for us, that our latter days will be way better than our former days. And when, when you look at where you are right now, you've got to say, it's going to be real good. There's so much more. Can you believe it? Now, now Paul dives into this, this letter, and he says this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Can I just pause there? This is Paul, y'all. This is Paul who's raised people from the dead. This is Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. This is not just some joker. This is Paul who planted all the churches. And Paul says, in a moment of vulnerability, brothers, I don't have it all together. I'm not all the way there yet. And that might be the most relieving statement someone could ever hear is, I'm not there yet. And it's okay. Because sometimes I think we live life under all this pressure, feeling like I haven't arrived. I'm not there. I'm sitting under all this anxiety because there's something I have not. But I don't know what there is yet. We'll put ourselves under all this pressure. I remember when I was about 24 years old, I was, I'm not there yet. And I was contemplating suicide. And I was stressing myself out. And I was living under all this anxiety because I said, I'm not there yet. I don't know where there even was at the moment. But then I realized it's maybe because I spent too much time staring at someone else's lane. Maybe I spent too much time saying, I'm looking at you and where you are and saying, I should be there too. And the crazy part is, we'll do that in the church. You'll sit around staring at someone else's lane thinking my ministry isn't right. This isn't right. You ever been in a prayer circle and you start praying and you're like, God, I just want to thank you. But then the person to your left, Lord, take me to the third heaven. And you're like, I'm not there yet, bro. I got to warm up to that. I'm still on the first level. You've been in that situation. And then you start saying, I'm not there. And you get down on you because you're too busy looking at them. But Paul's saying right away, you don't need to do all that because you don't have to be there. I'm, I'm Paul the Apostle. I've done all these great things you're going to hear about, you're going to read about, you're going to preach about. And I'm saying, I'm not there yet. So you should be okay not being there either. So I just want to tell you, as you press forward into these things, and you press forward into things God has for you, Dispel the myth that I have to be just like you. That to be right where you are. That's why it's called the Christian walk. It's not a race. It's a 45-degree angle. And sometimes you slip, but you go two steps higher. And you slip one step back. 
but your highs are always higher than your lows, and your lows are never as low as they were before, and you got to keep pressing that way and know I don't have to be there yet, but I'm on my way. And then he dives into this right here. He says, uh, let me read it right up here. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. One thing I do. It's almost as if he's saying, I need you to pay attention to this moment. Like he's highlighting and saying, I get that you're reading all this, but I need you in this moment to focus on what I'm about to say to you right now. Because what I'm about to say makes all the difference. It's this one thing I do. Forget? That sounds ridiculous. What do you mean you forget? I'm an adult. I don't just randomly forget anything. Someone does something to me, I remember. Someone hurt me, I remember. I don't forget nothing. And Paul's like, the one thing I do, though, I forget. What's he saying? Remember this in Hebrews? Got that verse for me? I'll read that right here. Hebrews 10. Oh, there it is. I knew y'all had that. It says, their sins and their lawless acts I'll remember no more. That's God speaking. Now, first of all, God doesn't have amnesia. What he's saying is your sin will no longer affect your standing and influence with God. And Paul is trying to say maybe what happened before should no longer affect your standing and influence in your present time. A lot of us spend every morning reliving what happened way back when. And maybe if we start to forget those things and not let them affect us, we'd be, we be moving forward a lot faster. Because life is, life is this, systems and cycles. The system you're in will determine the cycle you end up in. And you build your system throughout your life. You build your behavior. You build your thoughts. You build the way you live your life, the way you move in your faith. You build it throughout time. You build this system, and it produces a cycle. And the question is, are you building the right system? What things do you need to forget? What things do you need to let go? What things do you need to put behind you and say, that thing no more? I got, I got a couple of things I need to, you need to forget. First is this. How about your failures? How often are you living on those? The job that you got, but then you lost it. And you walk away feeling like, I wasn't worth it. Or the relationship you got in, and it ended. The marriage didn't work. What do you do then? The friends aren't around. What do you do then? When it's not what you planned for it to be, and you put your effort into something, you worked hard at something, and you look back and realize, wait, wait, wait didn't work. And now I'm hurt. And this is something I, I continue to live out of because you didn't get the job or you lost the job and now you, you live out of that feeling of I'm not worth it. And you build a system around that and you carry that into the next job and you live out of that. And you build a system out of that and the relationship didn't work and you build a system around that hurt and you bring it to the next relationship and you're like, you're just like Jimmy. Wait a minute, you just met me. I know, but I see Jimmy in you. There's no Jimmy in me. Cut that out. This is Jimmy free. But, but, but it's, the, it's the system you've built. You've put yourself in this thing where, where you're reliving this moment and reliving these thoughts that you don't need to live in anymore. But the system in your life is faulty. And Paul's saying, how about you forget that? How about you forget the broken system that worked there and realize that there's so much more for you, so much more God has for you. But you got to say, 
I'm honest with me, and I need to fix that. Because maybe, maybe it's just me, but I believe God has something for this church to do that's special. To really rock this region, to rock this coast, to rock this city. I believe God is, is setting you up for great success. But you got to let go of some things that are holding you back. And you got to forget those. They said this in Proverbs, when, you, when speaking of forgetting, it says this. It's cool, I got y'all. I got that permanent pose, I'm like this. And I, don't, I have no shame, I hold it too. I ain't scared. It says, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in the time of calamity. I chose this scripture because of this. No matter your failures, you got to remember, you got to stand. It's actually a decision. That's why Paul says in Romans, it was the mind we served the Lord. Sometimes we live so much out of our emotions, that's what gets us all messed up. It's how I feel today. I woke up feeling down. It's 7 a.m. How are you down? You literally just woke up. But with your mind, you decide there's something greater in me. There's a greater purpose for me. God's called me for more. There's no way I can sit back and do that because I got to do this that's ahead of me. You wake up telling yourself there's a vision. There's a purpose. There's something calling me to let go of that thing that's behind me. But you got to believe there's more. The second thing I think you got to let go of are your faults. Now, when I say faults, I mean your sins. It's a sin. Yes, the word. He said sin. What's going to say next? Sin, something no one wants to talk about. We all got to deal with it anyway. And, and sin isn't just this religious label, and the guilt that comes with it isn't just a feeling. It is a legit burden that can get on a believer, on a community, and if you don't handle it properly, it could wreck you. You've got to deal with that thing in you. And here's the wrong way to deal with sin. Always rehearsing it. Sin is like that friend you used to go to the club with. Look at y'all acting like you've never been to the club. I'm looking right in your eyes. And those people looking down like, is he still looking at me? Yes, I am. I am still looking at you. But, but sin's that thing. It's like that friend that, oh, hey, remember when we used to? Remember how that was? And after a while, you're like, man, that's, that's all you want to talk about? Like, like, I'm doing different things. I have a friend that every time he calls me or reaches out to me, I mean, it's like we're still in high school. His conversation is like, it's crazy. It baffles me. I'm, dog, you're almost 40, man. Like, how could you still be clubbing? I, I can't drop below. My knees won't allow me to. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how this man is still out there. If I go low right now, there's no guarantee I'm getting up. You might have to come up on this stage to pick me up. But this brother out there, and he's just going in. I'm like, yo. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's real. I'm up there in age. I'm not going to lie to you. But, but when you rehearse this thing, sin, it plays over and over and over and over, and you never really forgive you for what took place. And here's the thing about sin. Sin is a seed. It'll get in your heart. And over time, sin produces fruit. And then you walk around encountering people handing out bad fruit. Here's a little bit of lust. Take that. Take that. Here's a little bit of lying. Take that. Here's a little bit of jealousy. Take that. I, I got anger. Hey, can, can you take that? I got disbelief. I, I want to give you that. Because the true fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. 
But when you got sin in you that you're not dealing with, you're producing the exact opposite every time. The fruit in your life isn't right, but you got to deal with it. The question is, how do, we, how do we deal with that? How do we handle a situation when it feels like, here's what I've realized about sin. Let me take this route with it. Sometimes you tie your sin to your identity. I'm always who I was when. I'm always what I used to do. And the reason you struggle to let go of the sin is because you, you feel like this sin identifies me. Like, it's how I am. Why are you moving like that? It's how I am. You don't got to do all that, though. That's just what I do. Why? It's weird. But sometimes we get in situations where we live out of this place, and it's almost like our defensive mechanism. Let me be this kind of person. But truth is, it's just hurt you're trying to cover up. You live from a hurt place, and defending yourself is, I will pretend to be someone else. I will live out of this anger. I'll live out. I sleep around. Why? This is how I find my value. But I won't say it like that. I'll say, it's who I am. I'm shady on business deals. Why? Because money defines me. But I won't say it like that. It's my daddy taught me that way. But it's the sin taking root and you taking identity with it. But the Bible says this in Galatians. Oh, oh, oh. hello, somebody. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is Christ in you, not the sin in you that needs to shine. You need to start identifying with who you really are and not allowing things that happened way back when to take over your, things that happened then to take over your now because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And that's how you handle the sin. But how do you handle the guilt? Because the guilt is something that follows you. But you got to remember, this is Paul. Paul was a killer. Let's not forget, if anyone could have felt guilty, it was Paul. But Paul managed to say, I can forget what was then to live out of what is now. And you start reminding yourself, because of who is in you, the spirit in you, you can let go of what was then and live out of what is now. There's a greater thing for you. There's a greater purpose for you. The goal of sin is death. The goal of Christ is life. The Bible says in, in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, unrighteous thoughts, unrighteous feelings, unrighteous guilt. You got to let it all go. And scripture is the way to get clean. You got to get in your word and start getting yourself clean. You got to know how to confess these things over yourself. It's not, it's not just going to happen the happenstance. It's going to happen because you're intentional about picking up that book and saying, there's something in here, there's a truth in here that I need to learn because there's this thing in my past that's trying to get me. Here's the thing about sin. Sin is tricky, but sin's a sucker because sin will come chasing you, not realizing he'll chase you right into the arms of the Father every single time. And you got to know where to run. You got to know where your help comes from. You got to know the words that will get you good. So the sin, the guilt, and there's something else I want you to forget. Hebrews says this. Ah. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded 
by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which easily ensnares us. I don't think people are sins, but I do think people are weights. And sometimes you got to forget some people. Everybody can't go where you're going. Everybody won't run with you for the long term. Everybody that started with you won't finish with you. And you're not obligated to make sure they do. You're obligated to deposit what you were called to deposit in them and then let that joker go. Some of you are living under, under the illusion that, well, it's Christian for me to keep bringing the wrong thing in my life. But every time they come in your life, they turn you in the wrong direction. Some weights, people, you got to drop them. You got to decide, as I'm going to this new decade, I will not carry you with me. I will only bring you to drink from the water once. If you don't want to drink, I'll see you later. I got something I got to do because I'm not obligated to keep bringing you back to the water over and over again. Would you, do you want to drink? Do you want to I made a commitment to myself personally. You got three calls, buddy, and that's it. After that third call, I met with a guy one day. I don't know if I still yeah, I will. I met with this guy. We're having a conversation. He, I'm, I'm trying to give him advice. He's asking questions. He's saying stuff that I, I thought was crazy, but whatever. So we get to the point where I finally realized, like, uh, this dude's not going to listen. So I just looked at him. I said, hey, you know what? I'll be completely honest with you. I probably will never meet you again. I said, why? Because I know you're never going to listen because you know everything already. So I'll just be honest with you. This will be our last meeting. And if you call and you need help, I'll talk to you. But I'm not going to spend the time meeting you again. And it sounds harsh, but it was so true. Because you will exhaust all of your energy chasing people who don't want help. They like the conversation. They don't like the conversion. You know what I'm talking about? They like it. It sounds good. They like telling you everything that's wrong, but they don't want to fix any of it. But the other thing with people that will come in and out of your life is they are, when they're gone, they leave things. They leave words. And maybe they're not there to be the weight, but the word is the weight. And you've been carrying around a lot of hurtful things that people said about you for a lot of years. Letting it hold on. Or it fell off by grace. Hello. <laughs> hey. Someone, hey, you're ugly. And now you're living out of that hurt that someone told you you were ugly. And it sounds childish, but it's so real. I remember when I was getting these props ready, I said, hey, I said to someone, I don't know, should I use ugly? Like, that doesn't, they said, no, that's real. And a lot of people, you don't know your own value because someone else put a word on you and you've been living with this weight your whole life. Or someone walked in, you're useless. And now you believe it. And maybe you let the job go because you keep going back into that thought like they told me I was useless. Oh, you're weird. You're not really weird, but you act weird now because everyone's told you you're weird. But, but what I'm trying to say is the words that have been spoken over your life aren't the words of Christ. There aren't things you were called for, but you got this weight on you, weighing you down, and you're living under this condemnation. You're worthless. You ain't never going to be nothing. You're just like your daddy. Yeah. I heard that a few times, and I was like, man, listen, cut it out. Because sometimes it, 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 
it starts to haunt your mind every day. And it's something no one, here's the, the, the silent suffering is the worst kind of suffering. Because it, it, it's not displayed like it is now. It's just in your ear. This is who you are. It doesn't matter what they said in church. This is who you really are. But this is what you need to start to say. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. I got to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You got to realize that you're bigger than this, what the words are spoken. You're more than what someone else said. What God says about you is what matters the most. I don't care what you declare. The truth is declared over my life. Christ in me, the hope of glory, and in you, the exact same. But those are the words you got to live under. You got to stand on those things. Because all those things are like anchors in your past. It says this in Hebrews 6.19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. Speaking of Christ, he's our anchor. But these kind of things, the failure, the faults, the people, the words, sometimes Y'all know anchors. This, this is a shipping town. You said, you know anchors. Sometimes you, you drop your anchor in the past and wonder why you can't get away from it. When you should be dropping your anchor in Christ, but you got your anchor back here. And you're like, I never seem to get away from this thing because you got an anchor. It never gets far from me because you got an anchor. And you're living life and you're anchored back here, but you first need to realize it and then say, I got to cut that thing. Because that anchor in your past will keep you there for as long as you allow it to keep you there. It's not something that has to be there. It's a cho- I've decided I'm anchored up. I ain't going nowhere. Because if you anchor a ship, it'll drift. But it'll never drift too far from that. And God is saying, you need to get far away from that and more into what I've called you to do. Can I get an Amen. The last final anchor is the anchor of success. Yeah, you're like, what do you mean? Because sometimes success, the temptation to hold on to what you did increases when you see what's to come. And you start resting on, they used to say resting on your laurels. Now, laurels back in ancient Greece were like, a, like you got a laurels, is a reef for an award. And resting on your laurels means... I won't do any more because of what I've done. And you think, that's, it's because of success. It's good, right? But that's the enemy trying to get you. He'll tell you, take it easy. Six years, take it easy now. Six years, you can relax. Six years, the city gets it. Nah, you can't rest back here. You can't rest on what happened because God's calling you for so much more. Six years, you should say, and we just getting started. That's what six years means to us. We got breakthrough to happen. We got lives to change. Six years, we're only warming up to this thing. You can't stop us yet, but the enemy will try to tell you something different. Rest on that success. But I want to tell you, don't make that mistake. Take your wins. That's cool. Take what you learn. That's cool. Put it into the mission ahead of you. That's even better. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? Paul says this in verse 14.
Philippians 14. The main scripture. Got you. I got it right here. I got it. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. Paul goes from vulnerability, brothers, I don't consider I've made it my own, to accountability, I got something I got to do. And I think your growth is always your responsibility. You can't put it on the pastor. You can't put it on your friend. You can't put it on your grandmom or the praying mama. Your growth is on you. And Paul's saying, I press on. I make it happen. And the systems in your life will determine how you make it happen. So there are five things I want to walk you through that you need to grow that will help you as you advance. I want you to write these down. Number one is this. Sacrifice for Jesus. Serve in the house. The Bible says this in First John, or in John 13. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. This is Jesus saying, if I can wash feet, and they were dirty feet. This is the one time in the Bible he uses the word, this is an example. Not when he raised the dead. Not when he preached a sermon. But when he got down and washed feet, he said, this is my example to you. And we all have reasons why we can't, why we're not worthy, why we shouldn't be serving, why we can't be involved. With all excuses, Moses stuttered, Jacob was a liar, David had an affair, Abraham was too old, David was too young, Lazarus was dead, Jesus changed that. Elijah got burnt out, Gideon and Thomas both had doubts, Noah got drunk. There are a lot of reasons you can say, I shouldn't be involved in what's happening here. I can come and spectate, I can come and watch. But I think everyone in here is called to do something greater than just come and watch. It's called to be part of the mission. Because the greatest ability you will ever bring to God is your availability. That's all he needs. You don't have to be super talented, though you really are. You just haven't put your hand to the plow so God can show you what it is. Because I always feel like this. Why should God activate you if you're never going to step into the fight? Why should he get you ready if you're never going to do anything? I feel people who, I love you though, but, but I'm telling you my heart. When someone never serves or someone never gets involved, it's like the person who posts on Instagram in the mirror, but they're super skinny, but they're flexing. And it's like, why are you doing that? It's weird. There's nothing on you. But then when you get in, God really equips you and, and builds you up and shows you, I've called you to do great things. You just got to step into it. Number two is this. Share Jesus. The Bible says in Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't hide what God did for you. Make it a point to tell people how Jesus changed your life. Sometimes you can be afraid, sometimes you're scared, sometimes you're wondering, well, how am I going to express this thing? 
You know what I do? Start with a God bless you. It's a low-key way to do it. When you're in the office and someone does something, oh, thank you, God bless you, and just walk away real fast. And they'll, be, they'll look up, what you just say? Nothing, just God bless you, though. You ever saw that move Super Troopers meow? No? Just me? Some of y'all don't know? Okay, forget about it. <laughs> but share the love of Christ. Share what Jesus has done for you. Express the truth. Share the gospel. It makes a difference. And it's the person you share it with that you least expect to want to hear it that needs to hear the most. And they're the one that will lean in the most. Because you're thinking, this person at the office, they'll never want to hear this. The minute you start sharing it, they lean in. What, what happened in your life? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll just tell you. No one can ever deny your story. No one can ever deny your testimony. Never hide it. It's never too little. Because it's great to someone else. And you need to share that thing. Can you do that? Number three is this. Show the love of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever leads in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can you show the love that Jesus shows you? When you come here and you feel love, can you show that same love? Can you go out in your community? Can you show other people? Can you do something with someone just just cause? Well, why'd you do that? Why'd you do, why'd you do this for me? Because these days in the world, everybody thinks that you're out to get something out of them. Just do it. And let them know my heart is right. And I'm doing it for you because Jesus did it for me. The love you feel when you're in this place, you should go out in the world and emanate that thing. Let that thing shine through. Let other people feel it when they're around you. Show the love of Jesus to every person you encounter. You'd be surprised how awestruck they'd be. Because you're nice. You didn't do it. You're just nice. You held the door. That's it. And, oh, thank you. Why are you looking like that? Because it's not normal anymore. Be the new normal. Be the new normal and show people the love of Jesus. Number four is this. Study the life of Jesus. Psalm says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. Don't get lost in life because you never read the instruction manual. It's not enough to just show up. You got to learn something. You got to grow. This truth is the greatest thing you will ever read. Every answer, every, every question you have in this book lies the answer you're looking for, but you have to take the time to dive into it. Every page is life. Every word is life-changing. Make it a point to read this thing. Er day. Not just Sunday, er day. I meant er day, too. Er day is when you really mean it. You say every day like he don't mean that. Er day, that means you mean it. I mean it. You got to read this thing. And lastly, number five is this. Spend time with Jesus. It says this in Mark, referring to Jesus, said, uh, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. You got to pray. I don't think there's a great movement. I don't think they're great men. I don't think they're great moments. I think there's great prayer. And great prayer changes everything. Great prayer moves mountains. I think if you spend some time in prayer every day, you'd be surprised at how your life would just shift 
how your perspective would just shift. I made it a point for me this year that I will pray X amount of time. I'm not going to tell you because then you'd be like, I'm going to do that too. Do your own thing, brother. <laughs> I'm going to pray X amount of time every day. And I'm telling you, it's messing me up. I walked out of my prayer room one day. My wife had a TV show on. It was a TV show. I started crying at what was happening on a TV show, like instantly. I'm like, you're messing me up, man. But it, it starts to soften your heart. It really does. It changes who you are. Prayer will change everything about how you carry yourself. So I'm going to encourage you. Spend some time with Jesus. Getting to know Jesus. It says this, and you guys don't have this, so don't worry about it. In 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. God wants to heal this land. But it starts with the praying people in this room. It makes all the difference. The minute you start praying, God, what are they doing down there? I hear something. I hear faith in the room. I hear hope in the room. I hear new beginnings in the room. But you got to lean your ear. And God's leaning in saying, what do you got to say to me? Because I'm listening. I'll hear you. I'll forgive your sin. And I'll hear your land, heal your land. And I talked a lot about, about, about individuals. Because I believe this. A healthy person equals a healthy church. And as Pastor Marco taught me, we is the church. We is the church. Is we the church? Let me read this scripture to you. It's in Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is an Israelite, and uh, he's a cupbearer of the Persian king. And he gets news that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and Nehemiah goes and he gets permission to go repair the walls. Now, he's off on his way, he's preparing the walls. And the scripture says this. Now, when now I'm going to try to say all these crazy names. Forgive me, because I will say one wrong. I know that already. I don't care. Now, when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem and Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, and there was no breach left in it, although up to, the, up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Samballot, Geshman, sent me saying, come and let us meet together at Hukfram. You can't say it either, don't play. In the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent the message, a messenger to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. That's what I, all that was just so you could hear, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And when the haters approach you, and you, they probably already have, and they say, you're in a cult. I want you to say, the doors are still open, you can come in too because I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm building something that honors God, and I cannot come down. I'm, there's still, the door, and when they, why are the doors open? Because there's still lost people out there who need to come in. There's still broken people who need to come in. There's still people who are saying, how do I find a church? You're saying, that's us. You need to come in. You're, you're welcome in this place. This is a place you can call home. They're looking for that, and the gates aren't up, but you're doing a great work. And I pray that when they come, they find each of you, Standing tall, with your hearts filled with Christ, the doors wide open, and saying, you're welcome here. This is a place for you. Stand to your feet. This last scripture I want to read, it's in the message version. 
Paul says this in Philippians. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, I do, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. That's my last thought to you. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Press on to greater things. Let's worship together. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.